0: Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Post-Military Podcast, where we share stories of veterans transition out of the military and their advice to other service members based on their life experience. Whether you are still in service, a veteran, or just someone preparing to transition into a new chapter of your life, there is something here for you to learn. I've included timestamps in the description of the episode, so head down there to see if there are any topics that are of particular interest to you. Also, while you're poking around, subscribing to the channel or podcast on your favorite platform is always greatly appreciated. Anyway, thank you so much for being here today, and I hope you enjoy the episode. I can still see you, you're not frozen yet, so I think we're good to go, and <laughs> hey everybody, Welcome back to another episode of the Post-Military Podcast, the podcast where we give you uh, stories and advice on moving into the next chapter of your life, um, specifically focusing on uh, military members. With me today is someone i'm very excited to talk to not only did he graduate from the greatest school in the united states the united states air force academy which is significantly better than any other military academy that we have in this country he also served in the greatest branch of the military the united states air force anyone who says differently is just jealous after serving six years as a contracting officer For the United States Air Force, he decided to get out and has worked in real estate for his entire career thus far. He currently owns his own business called WeVet, where he helps individuals acquire houses uh, utilizing the VA loan. He also provides educational services on YouTube and via classes to veterans and military members on how they can access their benefits that are provided to them through service. So that person is Evan Kaufman. Evan, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. I'm super excited to talk to you. I wish I knew you when I bought this house, but I didn't. So
1: a couple of years ago, right? And it was, it was a good time.
0: Yeah, no, it was, I got great. in right before the interest rates started going up. So it was, it was definitely a good time to buy. We'll see how that goes in like two years when I have to sell or rent or whatever, but we'll see. But Evan, thank you so much for coming on. I know it's late over there in Kansas. So thank you for
1: making time to tell your story
0: and give advice to all the listeners out there.
1: Happy to do it, man. Thank you very much, Billy, for having me on and all that you're doing as well for just helping guys transition and understand it. Cause it's definitely a wild ride. It's something yes. that I think when we're in, we want to do it. but well, A lot of us will think, Hey, that's like the grass is always greener, but then when you get out, it depends, right? I, well, I thought it was definitely greener in some respects. It's not always the same. Mm-hmm. So, think just always assume it's always greener, and that's why I love what you do. You help open up and get people to really see things can be different. Not same just always the better. Truth. For sure. Yeah, man.
0: Also, I really like your background. For everyone who's watching, he's got the WeVet background in the back. The WeVet logo in the background so there you go yep. are you're in your office like the actual we office right it's now our
1: actual studio space so if you see like our youtube channel and mm-hmm. then we've had a lot of webinars that we've had we've done, gone three years for usafa for hundreds of cadets and west point we've done two years now and this is the studio where we shoot all that so that's awesome. we got that set up and see it on youtube channel videos that we're finally bringing out that we've used for years so yeah that's where yeah. i'm at and for Uh,
0: everybody who is listening or watching if you go to the description of this of this video whether you're on youtube or spotify i'm not actually sure if the links replicate over to the other podcasting platforms but if you're on youtube if you're on spotify evan's youtube channel and website are linked down in the description so after the episode if you like what he's putting out be sure to go check him out. We'll plug that at the end too, but I just want to make sure that's, that's up front. First question for you, when you went to go teach at West Point, did you just feel like dirty? Did you feel just like morally superior? Or- oh,
1: not, at all. not at all. It's actually in, so we've had two separate businesses. We've got home loans that I run, we've got realty, the original that we had built helping connect military with real estate agents, right? I do loans for everyone everywhere, but connecting with agents and on that side we got a gentleman he's a West Point grad he's actually Kansas living nearby here I've absolutely loved growing a relationship with him and he was from West Point and was actually the TAC kind of like one of their AOCs like helping run the squadrons there and that's helped us get in the door there a couple years ago so while you say hey did it feel odd or anything else no not at all and we do all virtually again from the studio here and the whole deal was this last year we had a competition and it was who had the most cadets show up? And we got about we got 102 that registered in SAFA. and then for West Point, Jason's his name, the old West Point grad, that's on the realty side, and he ended up at about 80 or 90 right before the show. And the whole deal was the other guy had to wear the jersey when we played the Air Force Army game a couple a few weeks ago now. Deal is he makes phone calls, hammers it all before, and we tied 102 to 102. So good news are 104 cadets from both academies last year, which was awesome. This year, I think there's a good chance we can break that further, but just one of those deals. So, yeah, while it's definitely a rivalry and it's fun, I mean, it's I've enjoyed working for for the for what Army just the same.
0: That's awesome. It really sucks that we got
1: our butts handed to us yeah. in that. Listen, like. that was horrible, so it really bad. <laughs> That's it. Anyone ever wants to look for it? Those big double checks I got behind me. We host a tailgate there at the Air Force, whatever academy they're playing each year. So Navy last year, wonderful Army this year. One of the best experiences, right? We have around eighty to a hundred folks come. It's a blast. But then, of course, this year it was too good to be true. Wonderful day, <laughs> and then that game. Uh, like, that was, uh, yeah, hope the ta- uh, I'm, I'm sure the uh, tailgate was our, good. Yeah, our army clients are out of the tailgate, and everything, and, and get Jason. <laughs> just they were happy as could be, and I can at least live through someone else's happiness. Hey, that's what good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I want to dive in. Tell everybody about your time in the military and then what eventually brought you to your transition point out of the air force
1: cool so real basic i mean graduated out of the academy in 2013 really enjoyed it played football there economics degree ended up getting stationed out in dayton wright patterson air force base i was a contracting officer really enjoyed my time in so i tell folks some uh, some want to get out because they don't like it or something and they, they say hey the experience is rough I truly enjoyed it. So really liked being in, working with the folks that I got to work for and with, and had a lot of fun. But immediately when I had gotten out there to Dayton, I'd bought my first place right away. And it was that scenario where it was me and one of my best friends from the academy. He, he was going out there for AFIT. I was going for a full assignment and he was going there for school. We thought, cool, let's room together. My idea was, let's get the cheapest apartment so we can save our BAH and I can start investing. And in his mind, it was, hey, let's get the nicest place we can get with our BAHs. So we settled on, I'll buy the house; he'd rent. So it's the first house hacking, right? And so I was right out the gate. So I actually got my first house under contract immediately after graduation. Now, there's some deals for after graduating for some of the stipulations like a VA loans and stuff. So. I had to make sure I waited long enough, but it was on 60 days. I still remember and papers when I was over in Europe doing some traveling over that 60 day period. And that I was still pre everything on your phone. So I remember I was printing off papers and actually writing it, taking photos of it, sending them back to my loan officer at the time. And uh, we closed on that deal right when I got there after 60 days. So that was the start, start of it all. So I was doing real estate while I was in the Air Force there, love doing contracting while in. And then I would end up buying a house I bought ended up getting into apartments, fixing those apartments up. And I would fix those up at night. So I'd be on base all day, and then go off base at night for to whatever four unit I just bought and was fixing up and ended up doing that. And then a buddy or two would ask me, Hey, can you help me do it? This was back, I always joke and say, this was back 2013, 1415. When I had to like convince people real estate was good. I mean, some very close people to me told me I was nuts, I was dumb, I was crazy. 2008, nine, right? We're still in the aftermath. Some people, 2008, nine was the worst time. Really for most areas, especially Midwest states, it didn't hit hard until 2010, 11, and even 12. So 2011 were rough times. And so we were just coming off of that. So real estate was still like a toxic asset. Now I joke though, and it's my goodness, back then I had to like pull teeth, convince people to show them good returns on real estate. But now all of a sudden, it's like I know there's an issue when my nephew asks, says, "Hey, I want to be a I want to be a mortgage loan officer. I want to be a real estate broker." I'm like, "When did real estate broker become sexy?" I didn't know that. So I've seen the whole swing, right? Seen that whole, that whole cycle, which is interesting. So the start of my time, it was just different, and I was buying up places, wall in. Really enjoyed it. Had some good good friends that I would just get to work for, and so I was selling a lot of homes and a lot of investment properties while I was getting ready to get closer to getting out. And then it came down to essentially, hey, are you gonna PCS or are you gonna get out? And so for my wife and I, we ended up deciding, you know what, it's time to get out and let's push our businesses further while we can. So WeVet had been born a little bit before getting out. That was, I was helping buddies just get connected when PCSing back from, I mean, as early as when I got my license, 2014, right after graduating pretty much. And after connecting a few guys with folks, one of my best friends, the same guy I actually got that house with, he was PCS in Colorado Springs and just said, hey, can you show me how to buy a house? I made a presentation, we went over it, and then he just asked, can you find me, you there? And I realized, oh, it's probably a business in that, right? Because connecting agents with clients, there's a business in that through referral fees and stuff. And I was like, yeah, I'll connect you. And that's kind of where the weave at idea was born and then we were fortunate we had some early other founders that were with us and they really helped us also start up good old sarah gordon sean and sam can always thank them for helping kick things off and anyways we started building the business there 2017 my wife stepped out of her work and we had a crazy time so billy's was for that transition we knew it was time to get out because the businesses had grown essentially my sales selling that we had and the rentals were doing well. But then my wife, she saw it and said, Hey, I will step out to go build that real estate connection service that we had. I'll step out of my business, which for the time she was doing really well with marketing. So she was running a marketing team for a large ad agency and said, I'll step out and do that. So 2017, man, we got married in October. She left her job in November. I had dropped my paperwork to get out of the Air Force, which fortunately I had a long time. I dropped my paperwork and had nearly a year because I thought it was PCS and it didn't. And then they were like, hey, cool, you have extra time. So it was almost a year time. But all those dropped. And then we found out we were pregnant in January. So it was like all so many things all in a quick swing. It was a a pretty wild run. Or I guess a few months later than that for for the pregnancy run. But it was all in one swing, right? And so we had about a year there for getting out to get everything consolidated and made the step out, man. It was really good.
0: That's awesome. That's it. Okay. Lots of lots to get into. And I really like that. Were you realist? Were you? I don't even know what the right way to say this. Were you inclined to real estate before you had gotten into like the academy and then graduated? Mm -hmm. Like what was the Was that a discovered passion when you got your first house, or did you kind of always know that was something you were into?
1: That's a great question, man. I would say some of the seeds were playing it early. So when I was in high school, before going to the academy, I had a landscaping company and had an employee. We had a blast from best friends, and we had a good time doing a lot of yards. And actually, we got fortunate and landed a contract, which ironically, later on, I'm writing these government contracts. It was a contract with HUD, Housing Urban Development, to manage the foreclosed homes in North Wichita. And this is where me as a, at that time I was 18 cause I was a little bit older. So I was like 18 junior in high school. And I got that contract because we just, that's when I learned that branding was smart. You had to have nice looking stuff. They saw my card versus the other lawn mowing guys and they liked my card. So they called, said, Hey, do you got a insurance policy for you know, a, million aggr- or a million aggregate 500 occurrence or whatever? I had no clue what that meant. And I was like, "Oh." Of course, we got. Don't worry, we'll get that. Don't worry. Called up my old guy Dan, who now I get to see since so we moved back home, and get us have lunch with him every now. That set us up, good old day. But uh, anyways, got that contract, and that was managing those foreclosed homes. So in high school, I was managing those homes, which it was really like we'd cut the yard, go in, do checklist items, and I watched it balloon. So this was 2000. I think I got that contract in 2000 eight, early, late, mid seven, somewhere in like that. That's when I was working it out. And I think we got it an eight and then 2009. And so I remember watching it originally, it was only like five or 10 homes a week. Then all of a sudden it ballooned to 1520. And by the end, it was 40 homes that we were dealing with at the time. And now looking back, that was just such a pivotal time for real estate. That's when everything was blowing up eight, nine, 10, 11. I still remember the guys that had those contracts. Here's the funny thing, the name of the company that had that contract with HUD, Pyramid Real Estate Services. What a wonderful name, right? Pyramid Real Estate Services. I still got some of the contract stuff from it now. It's just, so, but I still remember them like, hey, Evan, we got all these homes and we got to get them prepped for foreclosure. You know, you ever want to take a look at these to buy them? Yeah, let us know. And that's when the wheels started turning a little bit. But raised well by my mother and father, love love them to death. Mom made sure she's like, You're going to school. And I was like, Yes, ma'am, I'm going to school. And I wanted to play football and I wanted to serve. So off to the academy. And so that got back burner. But one of my teachers at the academy, old Colonel Tewksbury, big shout out to him. Still remember junior year. He'd said, Hey, everyone, we're at first day of class. We're going to talk about XYZ behavioral science, but I'll let everyone out 10 minutes early. Or you can stay and learn how to become a millionaire. And I just was like, cool. I think everyone's going to stay. I was the only dude that stuck around, Billy, (laughs) in that class. So, well, I know, great mentor then. But then what did he do? He showed the basics on the board of how he had purchased a property at each PCS wisely, not every PCS, because as we can gladly get into it, like we're big believers that you shouldn't necessarily buy everywhere. That's one of the things everyone gets talked and told, Hey, you got to, it's not always the best case. We have a general rule that we we recommend for it. We can talk about, but point was where it makes sense purchase and rent it out. And then his whole deal was he ended up buying four or five properties as he was PCS in his career, sold them all 1031, exchanged it down to a nice place in Texas and on you go. And I was like, huh, that's not half bad idea. So that really kind of drove the impetus plus when I was younger and yeah, when I got, commissioned right away. I knew that I was looking to buy something Then, if I can make it work. It. And
0: when you were approaching that, when you were approaching that, like moment where you could either PCS or get out, was there any like doubt for you on what, like get stay in the military or get out? Because it sounds like you really knew what you wanted to do but you also sound like you had a pretty okay time in the military and so what was that like for you mentally to have kind of not bad options either way because you were clearly making the real estate stuff work mm-hmm. and you were also in the military so what was that like
1: for you leading up to it good question take me back here we go for that so i mean at that time, and I look back at that decision-making, I was very fortunate in that I was already building outside and was really lucky with that, with the business partners, with the rentals, with everything else that we had that was going, which was good. So that kind of gave me an odd way to get a jumpstart. And I did the six-month SkillBridge program. That was incredible. I was very fortunate to get the full six months, right? I was one of the first folks out of right pat to get it cleared and to go do the whole thing. And part of that was just because I had that extra time because we thought I was PCS and the PCS didn't work out. They ended up changing the orders. And so we dropped paperwork and said, all right, we'll call it good. And they just gave me me the time for it. And my commander, wonderful at the time, just absolute great guy and made sure we can do it. So for me, though, getting out, I knew that the hardship, of course, would be, as we always say, the connections. But I was pretty fortunate that knowing that my clientele was almost entirely military. So that's a big plus. So I knew I'd still have that. But one thing I didn't see quite as well, sometimes, even though I had a relative sense of direction and purpose with the businesses, but it still can whack you and not quite know that. So for me, the big driver really was, I loved being in, but getting out, it was okay. I knew it was time for me to go pursue more business because I had known going into the academy. That's where I ultimately saw myself wanting to be growing a business. And then, I mean, just personal for me is. I love my family. I love kids. We got four now because we got one on one's on the way here. So we're gonna have four at four years old. Our daughter will be four, and then two, and then one, and then zero. So I love that. So it, it's just one of those deals that we decided. Hey, we gotta to grow that family. How we both envision my wife and I, Shannon. We like, all right, we gotta make that move, and I can do the business, grow the family. That was really that man. But once getting out, which I know we're gonna hit on, it's probably some of your questions for it. Is it's a it's always a mental roller coaster, right? It's always a mental roller coaster.
0: We will get into that. The next question that I wanted to ask you about that moment in time, though, was I think that for a lot of people getting out, it's a very hectic time because like all of a sudden yeah. people are like planning for all these things, and it's like Got to figure out my job, got to figure out what I'm going to do next, got to figure out where we're going to move, this whole hit list of items. And you had, you were a little more unique and you knew what your job was going to be. You knew what you were going to do. Like the, there were, but then you have all these other things with it. What was it like for you managing, I guess, what was it like for you managing that chaos in the last year of your military and in the last year of your time in the service and reflecting on that? What do you think you did well in that last year, and what do you think you could have done better in that last year?
1: Great question. So for me, it really was like that year, especially since I had my paperwork, knew that it was going to be er- a lot earlier, sooner than later, because the original deal that was, we had orders San Diego, got rerouted to Shreveport because that person dropped their paperwork. It was a one deep slot. Always learn be careful getting one deep slot places, and they were like, okay, hey, we're gonna we're gonna call it because. We just decided that Shreveport next place, was weren't the spot for us. So we had a long, quite a long time. And I'd say one of the good things that, that we did. So my wife, Shannon, I mean, I give half just the glory on her for her sake, because she really helps keep me together, but we really were able to plan then for that year. So it's like, we knew. So if you know, and folks are listening to this, because I know it's a lot of folks transitioning, you have time on your hands, or I should say, you know, you're getting out in six, 12, 24 months start prepping for that. So we really then buckled down. We were living off of one salary, making sure we could paid everything off that we can't, so we knew we were getting in that right position. So that's one of the things I think that we did really well, plotted for that. The fear, the biggest fear I had, is that when you get out and you go, you're going self-employed, which is what I knew I was going all out self-employed, there's a lot of nuances. Like we have, you watch our YouTube channel, we're about to roll it out. I've just done three different presentations for Skillbridge groups that's on the military, to civilian transition and buying a home, essentially that whole process. Remember I'm real estate focused, but Hey, there's a whole nother thing, a bag of considerations you got to have pays are treated differently, how income's done. It's not your simple LES guaranteed government paycheck that changes all of how that's done. For me, the big fear was insurance. And sure enough, man, insurance has never let me down by golly getting out. And when you're on your own now we're a little bit bigger fortunately so we got a company policy that i like to think is better but then i look at it on the L each month of what it costs for the company and i'm like sweet goodness it's still not so insurance if you're like oh, i only pay 100 a month man i bet your employers paid a lot more than that on the backside but point is that did not let me down at all in the moment that i brought our daughter when we had her and i was out and we brought her because she had a, a just a birth defect and we brought her to the hospital got it checked out. And I'm like, good, we're all right. And then I get a bill later because they said they'd take my insurance. And I learned, wait, it's not always the same. And then we get a massive bill. So things like that were a little off. The thing though, I wish most that I would have done a little better in that last year, of course, it's the connections with everybody. You're so focused sometimes on the next steps getting out that you just forget that, man, this is the last time you're going to be as easily around all these guys and gals that are like you, that you're in the same kind of deal, all in one mission, going the same route. And that's something that, man, I, I wish I would've taken a little more time to soak that in. Cause sometimes we're so excited for what's next and it can be wonderful. I know for my side, it's been wonderful, but we can forget that, golly, that group of folks don't overlook it before you get out.
0: I completely agree with that. And it's funny, like I had that realization when I graduated from the Air Force Academy and then for whatever reason, I didn't even like uh, I thought about that like a month ago. I was like, that happened that's happened to me twice now. <laughs> like, like, and what? I didn't even apply the two. Yeah, anyway. So for you, when you so you get out, finish your time, drop your papers, you're out. What happens next? Do you stay in Ohio? Where do you go
1: from there? <laughs> What's that like? We did stay. We stayed for a while. We had, I mean, we had WeVet, we had another company that we were helping for military travelers. And then we had our rentals and I was selling real estate guys like four, four different deals. all going at once and loved it. So it was, it was that whole ecosystem was there and was rolling and we decided to stay. So I got out at the end of 2018 there and we didn't move back to Kansas until I say in December, 2020 really started 21 was our main move. So we had a good amount of time there for it, which was wonderful. Enjoyed it a lot. So it allowed me just to go all in on what we were kind of still already starting to do before getting out. And yeah, just going at it. And that was a time, good time in life. My wife and I, no, not our daughter wasn't born quite yet. So we had a little bit of time there, which was really good because she came right after I was getting out. So, so that's why I was all together in one swing, as I was saying earlier. But it was a really good time for that. I definitely had still had some struggles, like I said. There, it's that going off on your own then and taking on everything, the insurance, all that good kind of stuff, clearing up. But it was a really good time in life. Cool. And where 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 in
0: Ohio did you live? Like actually,
1: so Dayton, Ohio, where Wright Pat Air Force Base is. We were I bounced around quite a bit. So I actually originally when we got there, I mean I had lived and been around as. Fairborn Beaver yep. Creek mm-hmm. Huber Heights Kettering those are all the spots that that I was yeah and then of course I was in all the neighborhoods when we were selling or investing flipping doing something with a place yeah so all over but yeah those four areas I, I lived in a lot of different spots because then I would buy a four unit live in the unit and get, get another guy fix it up and mm-hmm. keep going so that was all, all over yeah so there are a lot of great places there no I'm
0: I grew up in a so uh, that's right. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. darn The uh,
0: bike paths, man. Yeah, bike dude, paths. bike paths are sweet. I, I love that yeah. Yellows My wife and I, my wife's trying to get stationed at right pat next to go be an instructor for flight nursing. And we were talking about where we would live if she got stationed there. And I kind of want to get stay. I would love to buy a house in yellow Springs. I liked yellow Springs yeah. a lot. It's a fun little, yeah. fun little hippie town, but Based we'll see. I'll give you I'll give you a call if if we're going if we're going down to that neck of the
1: woods (laughs) so
0: while you're so while you're in Ohio you're focusing in on your businesses your family's coming you got your you're having your kids all this stuff like that sounds like it's a really dope situation honestly like it sounds like you're you get out and you're basically winning constantly so what was it like what was that mental transition like for you going from Evan the high schooler to a military academy to the military? And then, like, now you have to be an adult outside of the yeah. military. What was that? Was it as easy for you from an identity perspective as it was from just like a life perspective? Uh, what, yeah, talk me through that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I'd, I'd definitely say the, every next step seemed to get a little bit better mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, all of a sudden a little more responsibility, right? As you well know, academy to then getting out and all of a sudden, man, Hey, you're paid. Well, you get a little more flexibility, you're leading folks and then getting out. It's running the company. You do got full flexibility of things. But so that was all I really enjoyed getting those progressive, like I should say, increases, in responsibility, et cetera. But that's where like for my life, just going, it was, I've always seen things. I would say, things have constantly always gotten better, but then things hit real hard in 2020. It's kind of started a hair earlier. I'd say 2019, one of our businesses got walloped by basic decision, command-related decision deal that happened. And that was tough, but caused me to plow into another business. It worked out really well, but it was one of those deals where, hey, you had to deal with that struggle. And then a family member, one of my sisters ended up Getting terminal cancer. So, like that kind of stuff starts hitting you. And that's when the move back for home started. And so, for me, like what we talked about before, being on here, my transition out, things went relatively well for in, in a lot of different ways. But then, when it really hit, was the two, 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 two and a half years later. And then, all of a sudden, it was wow, where am I really at? I'm spending so much time focused on us building what we had there for Ohio. But then back home, my family's very close with my family. I love my family. And when like that happened with my sister at the time, it was like, it's time to, my wife looked at me and she was like, it's time to go. And then that caused a lot of stress and struggle between our businesses and what we had. And it just made you realize, wow, when you make that transition and it's pretty abrupt, it was tough. And that's when all of a sudden I was pulled away from the military community that I had there in Ohio, even after getting out, cause it's still just such like a military heavy place to Wichita was a lot less military influence. We have McConnell. I was fortunately literally last night, fortunately, just brought in as an honorary wing commander with actually a no seventy sofa guy. Really cool dude. So I'm excited for that to get a serve a wing. And ironically, I think I'll have a more Air Force experience than I probably did at Wright Pat, which is where it was it's like the inverse, right? It was me and a few military and like 80 civilians, and here it's 80 military and a few civilians. So it's cool. But that was honest that was probably the hardest thing. And that's what brought I know us together talking about it. Like my where it hit me hard that transition was actually as we left Ohio, even a couple years after getting out of the military. And then it was a big man, who am I? Classic John quote from you know, Lemez or whatnot. Who am I? And that was tough. I knew we came back for the right decisions, but then it was a complete restart. Like it was a complete restart. Brokerage everything. done we still got the rentals and stuff done we were able to bring Wevet with us for a bit but it was a time man so 2020 as we say one of the heaviest years and that's where i really started to realize i missed that military connection and started working to get that back that's really interesting like right up and then a wow
0: interesting i mean that's so cool i mean such a it's just a fascinating story because so many people are like you think Oh, right after I get out, that's when I'm going to have my, like, if I'm going to have problems, that's where I'm going to find them. And then you find out later, that's not the case. And so for you, what, how did you, when you started, you moved back and how did you start realizing that you were going through something and what did you then do to start I guess, moving in a positive direction.
1: Great question. Well, number one, I've, something was wrong because I was actually getting in really good shape <laughs> for a bit there. I was like, yeah, oh, it's working out a lot. Because at that time, right, when we had moved back to Kansas, it was, I, I took pretty much seven months off and it was, company was running fine that we had. I had let everything else go in Ohio. It was a quick, abrupt deal. And I took about seven months off, spent it with my family, as much time as I could with Emily and everything that I could for it. And that was it seven months. And I got in shape. But then I realized, man, guy just can't quit working at this time. So I knew I had to get moving again. But in the moment for us, we got, I mean, I go to church where pastor had a really good line of how in our minds, we drive grooves, and our minds are very careful. All before we moved back to Kansas, I didn't realize how fragile our minds can really be. And so all of a sudden I had such a quick, abrupt change there over a few month period coming back and then just the time off the time with family, the losses, or a few, there are a few close losses, which was really tough that, and all of a sudden my mind, the negativity could just run its own paths. And before I knew it, my mind was looping on things that were negative and not how I've always been in my life, which is pretty much positive things. That was a tough one. And so it literally, I mean, it's been a long time to work, to get that out. And it's not really until the last year that's changed quite a bit with had another son, it's grown time, heals some things, but working on making sure that you train your mind to get back to running and like, say the, the right grooves. Cause we can get stuck looping on things. So that was really my struggle. I'd say it took a good year to year and a half and there's still times where your mind can revert back to things and you gotta get it back on track.
0: I think that's. I mean, I think that's great advice, and I think that the fact that you can like that understanding that it does take time. I think that one of the things that I hear a lot from people who get out of the military is like you people want to have like the ninety five yard touchdown like touchdown pass of like (laughs) mental health like recoveries versus and no no one wants to do three yards in a cloud of dust like like advancement through these kinds of battles but that's generally what's required and I, I think that for a lot of people that's the that concept is hard to grasp because no no one wants to just sit and be like ah, i'm sad <laughs> and like like i didn't feel as sad today and viewing that as a win versus just being like i'm sad forever i, I it's I think that that's a tough pill for people to swallow, but it's cool that you talk about it because I think that's an important it's such an important concept to grasp when it, when we talk about moving on from difficult events or things that have like hurt us in the past.
1: No, that's, that's spot on. That's mm-hmm. spot on. It took getting to a point for it that hey, my family members I lost, they're not coming back. My yeah. one of my, my good best friends died. Uh, mm-hmm. Not coming back. And it's like, all right, that's past. And I'm beating myself up for not moving forward right. Mm -hmm. And it's just making sure that then you get to a point where you got to either realize, and I think this is a break point where folks either just end up kind of in misery in that negative constant track, Mm -hmm. where you realize no one outside is really going to change it for you. You just got to get up and you got to start thinking as positive as you can. There's always going to be negative. It still comes around, but you got to try to grasp control of that as best you can Mm -hmm. and change it. And yeah. for me, lean heavily on faith, my wife, mm-hmm. for that kind of stuff. Makes a big impact. But find something that you can help change that back to being positive. And now, fortunately, I'm finding myself back in the old routine where the ruts I run are pretty consistently positive mm-hmm. versus negative. Mm. So every now and then you hop back off that track. But something's important, man. And I, it's real. Yeah, real. two
0: things that you said that I really love. The first one, I, I think it's really funny once you're out of it. It sounds ridiculous, and if someone who's listening to this have never heard it, it might sound ridiculous, but it's so true. Like getting mad at yourself for not being better faster is such a (laughs) – like like when you're outside of that, it's such a – it sounds like a ridiculous concept, but when you're in it, it's so true where you're just like, why didn't I get this right? And then you get mad at yourself. It's like this, like crazy self, like self-licking ice cream cone of like yeah. anger, and then you're sad, and then you get angry because you're sad, and then that makes you like, and it's it's a tough place well, to be.
1: Yeah. You all of a sudden run it constantly exactly get your mind out of that. Groove. Yeah, wagon yeah. wheels. Picture those wagon wheels running over a trail, and then ultimately, you where know, wagon wheels end up riding three, four inches in the ground and they can't deviate The problem with our minds. We can keep running those tracks so much. And the question is like, I know I had to get to a point where I asked myself just as a man, it was, Hey, when things were really good, you're positive and about yourself. But the question is, who are you when it does get tougher and it's rough. And so like the one thing that I work on for it now is I want to be a good man, a good father, a good person, a good believer, everything, all that together while I am in a rough situation, so that ideally when I'm in a good situation, I know that I'm not just happy and positive because things are going well, but it's because that's who I am as a person, right? And I heard that kind of pitch at some point somewhere, and I was like, good Lord, that is exactly, I gotta figure this out, I gotta work through this, right? So that's where that rut, that mindset, who am I again? Like, what am I really gonna be? And that's why I drive at. Is it every day, right? Heck no. <laughs> half the time still the dark dragon's hopping on the wrong rut that Uh you get but it's getting better and better and you know what even if we're not doing better with whatever we're working on at that moment that's Mm -hmm. okay because i know i'm still the person that i want need to be
0: yeah and i think that the other piece that you brought up there that i think is really powerful and that i really want people to key in on is the grounding your identity in things that are much more consistent versus things that are inconsistent. Like Mm. if people, if you ground your identity in a singular item or your health, mental health improvement or your business or whatever, like those are things that are, They're not in your control really at all. And so if you're real, if you, if people attach their identity to things that are not only out of their control, but have high fluctuation day in and day out, it's going to affect how you view yourself as a person. But if you choose to ground your identity in things like um, I'm also a Christian. So I, in my mind, it's like, if I'm a, if I'm a Christ follower first, then I'm a good husband, like, then I'm someone who's loved by my family. Like those two things, if those are my foundation, those don't change. Like the, like Christ doesn't change. Wife probably going to be, she's going to be, she's going to be the same for a really long time. Like, but those are, yeah, hopefully (laughs) cross your fingers. But those are things that persist through chapters of life. And those will give you, consistency where other items don't including yeah. the military or yeah. your other job like those end at some point and so i love that you talk about i'm a happy positive guy regardless of what's happening to me today i think is such a powerful thing to say and i really love that that's what you're bringing up so
1: just i would have heard you say that back to me again billy like two three years ago. <laughs> that after, right? That's That's why
0: we're we're having the episode so people can hear it now.
1: Yeah, that's what I loved about your show and for the guys that I at least know who have listened and led me on Mm -hmm. is that it's having some of that discussion beforehand. And I guess from my side, it really is that in like the discussion we had for all this was, hey, be ready. Something getting out of the military and everything, it might not hit you right away. For some folks, it definitely hits right away and that's Mm -hmm. real. But I would argue a lot of it can come seep in three, four years later, start seeing that difference. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it comes down to how much you really shift, how quick you shift where you're at and what you're doing, but be ready for it maybe to hit you later than you expect. And so you want to get your mind right to just be as ready as possible. Yeah. So I completely agree. I completely
0: agree, man. So now you're doing great or we're on the upswing and What I want to what I want to talk to you about now is in your business, you interact with a lot of veterans or people who are getting out of the military. And something that I'm something I'm interested in, the first thing I want to ask you, actually, we'll dive into veteran stuff later for you. What advice would you give to people on starting their own business? business because you've been in it now for a while and it's very much like the military's hyper-structured yeah. business is completely freeform. Yeah. Complete yeah. opposite. What advice would you give to folks who might be considering diving into the world of entrepreneurship
1: Getting when they out. get out? Yes. When they get out,
0: mm-hmm.
1: work through your idea. And one of the best ones is, talk with other people to pitch that idea. One of the things that I see the most that folks getting out and to go on their own is not always taking into account maybe the realistic picture of the financial piece of business and what it takes. And this is the product, service, whatever I'm trying to do, is it really viable or not? So that sounds like the cold, hard, Scrooge answer to it, but spend time really working on that. I know the folks right now who just decided, hey, I'm going to get out, I'm done, and I'm going to start building, like, whatever, the podcast, a couple more, like, news-related things. I'm like, great, but what's the plan? Are you thinking, are you, do you have, how much, how long of runway do you have? How much have you saved up to make that work? What's the game plan for getting it to work and monetize well enough to support you? Just thinking that through from a business perspective, and you want to have a good, not just, like, full business plan, but essentially, Plan in your mind of how you can see it being economically feasible. One of the biggest issues that I just have with guys getting out and doing the rough analysis of is it smart to get out or not is just miscalculating the needed income that they have for getting out. So if you're in the Air Force and you're mid range officer or enlisted in your sergeant level and stuff, it feels like you might be making very little while you're in, but sometimes we don't account for. And on the numbers, like your tax returns, you're like, man, Evan, I'm only making 30,000 bucks. And I'm like, how do you think we're approving you for like a stupid high house? It's because you have non-taxable incomes, you don't pay insurance, all that kind of stuff. So you got to want to really account for all that because it's usually a lot more than what you think. And going through those steps, working with a lot of people, I see, hey, you might think I only need a hundred thousand or I need 60,000 when I'm getting out. Really, it might need to be a little higher. So if your business and you're trying to start your business, make sure that you have the economics there that can make that work and prepare for yourself. Save up. If you're married, boy, make sure you and your wife or your husband are on that same page. That is critical. The person that you're with is the most important thing for my, I mean, I'm just so fortunate. My wife, I mean, she's half the reason we have what we got. She's made that, those things work and, and run, right? She's the brains behind it all, making it look just wonderful for the marketing and everything. You want to make sure you're on the same page for that. Because if you're not, that could be setting yourself up for a harsh reality, especially yeah. when you combine miscalculating economics and miscalculating your house and mm. how that relationship works. That could be real tough. Yeah. So, having those kinds of bad time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so I've seen it. And I only say, it cause I've seen it. And what's wonderful. About the business we have now is I get to work for a lot of folks that are making that transition. And we just talk about what that looks like. What could that mean for you? Right. And like those basics that we hinted at there earlier, the big ones of the pay changes. Hey, Evan, man, I'm getting out. I got this job, cool tech job. Oh, wonderful. What's it paying? Oh, it's paying me. You know, it's paying me hundreds of thousands a year. And then we're like, great, that's awesome. But let's go through it. Well, half of that stock options. How does that really impact your ability to buy that house you want? (laughs) So we got to go over those things. So you just want to start thinking that through, fleshing it out. And so I'd always say good business planning. If you want to go buy a home or invest, you want to talk with a lender to see how is this change me getting out going to affect me? You want to work with real estate professionals, financial advisors to know, hey, what would my picture look like getting out? And I think a lot of folks just don't do that.
0: Yeah. No, I completely. I completely agree. I think that when people get out of the military, we tend to hyper focus on a very small number of items, like getting your VA paperwork done, which I don't even think a lot of people really focus it's on a that. Lot, no. yeah, yeah. A lot yeah. of people are just like, job,
1: <laughs> right? Resume, assume, get job. You assume, yeah. You assume that I'll have time once I'm out because it'll be less busy. That's probably one of the biggest like pointers for when getting out, get that taken care of. And if it's ever any bonus to it, so many folks tell me, well, I can't get it done beforehand. Like I can't, or there's no benefit. Well, from, if you're going to be buying a home, getting out, you can actually get your VA funding fee waived. If you file your claim before getting out, it's huge. A lot of folks, they just can't do it. Or they got to try to ask for some refund once they're out and it doesn't work. Or let plenty of lenders tell them, you just can't do it till you're out. Not the case. You can get it waived before getting out. You just got to file that claim enough time, work with someone who gets it. We can file the paperwork to get it waived. That helps save a lot on their next home. So yeah, little things like that. Those are things that I think are, are missed quite a bit.
0: I completely agree. Now going to one step deeper, what's your advice for people who who might want to get into, not buy, but get into real estate as a business?
1: getting out of the military as a business, like, yes. like real estate agent, loan officer or investing yep. kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Yep. Number one like rose colored glass. Again, going back to that concept My nephew thinks it's sexy to be a real estate broker, or a loan officer, and he's in high school at the time. I'm like, something's off. So take the rose colored glasses off. And again, kind of like starting a business because when you're going to do these professions this is what you're doing. Be realistic with it. Do the numbers really make sense for me? What do I really gotta do? Like, especially if you're going into real estate sales or for my sake, like you're gonna be a mortgage loan office originator to go do work, you gotta make sure, all right, am I, do I have the marketing plan right for it? Everything set out or not? So you gotta be realistic with it. Property investment, that's always the big one, of course. That's like the majority. So I'd, I'd say that's really where most folks are always thinking, hey, do I wanna start investing in real estate? I think it's absolutely wonderful to invest in real estate. But so many folks, there's so many different companies business out there that try to make it sound so passive. They'll say it's all passive income, right? Different things, act this, but it's all passive. Not the case. I will flip those words around. It's not passive and active. It's passive active income that you really have to deal with. So, while some of it is passive, you st- it's active to it. So like I still spend three to five hours a month on all our rentals, even though they're managed out, they're pretty darn well-oiled machines and it works well, but I still have to spend a time. There was a time last year where I felt like it was a part-time job. We were going through some transitional stuff with management. And so it is really, and I guess you should rephrase that, it's active passive income is what it really is. You have to be involved. So just know that upfront. And you gotta realize yourself, do I want to be a landlord and own stuff or not? I think a lot of folks have to do a little more soul searching on that than what a lot of folks just assume, and so that's me. Sometimes I'm told I'm the sober, the sober guy in the room for real estate because I'm not always like, "It's great, it's everything under the sun." You thought <laughs> I've, I've created the units, I've I just, you know, you get all of it. Great question. So that kind of leads into really, hey, those decisions, how do we really help folks through that? So one of the major things that we have is we say it's our timing recommendation. So you want to ask yourself two questions. Number one, will I own this home as a rental for the long run? So if you plan on PCS into an area and you're like, hey, I want to be a landlord. I want to invest in this. I'm going to hold this for a long time. And maybe I'm going to rent it out because I know I'm coming back. I want to live in it again. All right that's great. If you're going to plan on being there and keeping it for the long run, usually consider renting. You'll watch my buy versus rent videos and stuff we put out. We don't say buy, we say consider because there's other things you need to take into account, but most likely it's a good decision to buy. But if you're like, Hey, I don't want to have that as a rental long-term, which I know in reality, working with hundreds now over a thousand military families, like that's not the majority of people. You ask yourself number two, am I going to be there at least three years? very simple. Am I going to be there at least three years? If you're going to be there less than three years, this is where it's like, oh no, the lender's actually telling me to rent. Yeah, I'm telling you to consider renting. Like it might be better to actually rent the darn place. This is where we're, we're a little unique. Most folks, if you're working with a lender agent in a specific city, it's binary. You're either buying or you're not buying. For us, I like to say, okay, I want to sound altruistic and say, we want the best decision for you. But our incentives are relatively aligned, why? Because if we mess up this PCS and you get crammed into a place that's not optimal for bu- for buying, then we just lost your next three PCSs. We have folks now with us on their fourth PCS that, they're work- that we're working for. So we don't wanna mess that chain up. So there's times where we recognize, hey, maybe don't buy because it might not set you up for the next time that you're going forward. So that three, that timing recommendation, the heavy deal there is at least three years. And the reason why it's three years, is because that's that breakeven point where if you purchase a home and you put little or no money into it, ideally with a little appreciation, not a lot. The last three years, man, it's been nuts, right? It's covered up so many people's mistakes, it's not even funny. But remember when I started, it was not that way. Three years, things are relatively flat or a slight increase, but three years is kind of where you start to cover your costs. And that ideally, if you have to sell, you ideally are gonna be at least break-even. But ideally, you're even longer than that. So that's why I say three is the minimum ideally four, five, seven years that you're going to have there. But three is that magic number where it starts to make a little bit more sense buying versus renting. That
0: makes a lot of sense. And in your, in Evan's opinion, where do you think like, where do you think we're at right now in real estate? Like you were talking about how you've seen a whole cycle. Where do you think, are you think we're cycling back around? Like I know everyone's always you ask one person they're like the bottom's going to fall out of this real estate game any second now and then other people are like it's leveling off and so i'd be curious what your thoughts are on that
1: the biggest thing for real estate every boom bust you got to look heavily at the supply and demand back at the academy i was an economics guy one of the beautiful things about real estate is it is a very pure supply demand so if there are more homes for sale than there are buyers then ultimately you're gonna see prices generally go down. If there's more buyers than sellers, you're generally gonna see prices go up. A lot of folks assume it's all interest rate driven. Interest rates, in my opinion, are an indirect cause of prices and changes in real estate, not a direct cause. And a lot of folks right now are like, hey, rates are so high, prices have to come down. But do we forget that rates were historically, literally for our entire country, historically low from 2011, through 18. And we did not see prices skyrocket like we did the last little bit. So rates aren't perfect. Supply demand though, is very indicative of what happens with home prices. In reality right now, the past year and a half, Billy, from 2020 to 2003, there are 23 here, we have had a housing crisis. There has been a massive blow up in the business of real estate sales for purchases are down around 30 plus percent, depending on the area you're in the country. Mortgage world is obliterated for every, if there were a hundred mortgages done back in 2021 and early 2022, there's only about 30 to 40 done today. You decimated the industry, those industries, both of them have been decimated, really beat up. So real estate agents and mortgage companies, they're really feeling that pain. We're very fortunate that we have a very consistent client base that continues to move. Knock on wood, we want our guys to keep getting new experiences and PCS and right, but it's real. So that's blown up. And some agents and mortgages are even like, why isn't everything come down? It's because it's supply and demand. While yes, there are fewer buyers with higher rates, there've also been significantly fewer sellers. So in my opinion, we're going to be what I've been saying for two years now. The world is getting stickier. Things just move a little bit tougher. A house might set for longer and they are in areas, but that doesn't mean it's gonna sell for a whole lot less because there's still enough buying demand that keeps that moving. So it's a weird world that we're in. The only way we're gonna see prices go down, in some areas we're seeing some of that, but the only really reason we're gonna see prices ever sharply go down is if supply dramatically increases. Because right now there's still so many folks that wanna buy. Now, interest rates help drive down that buyer demand. But what we've learned in the last year is that it also softens sellers. Because now all of a sudden, you tell me, Billy, do you want to sell that house you're in? Right now? No, I don't want to sell right now. <laughs> you want me to show you the difference between having that 2% mortgage or 3% mortgage and a five, six, seven? Like, that's where folks are like, wait, I can't do that. So then they stay and we have fewer sellers. But there's still, yeah, there's fewer buyers. Do you get what I mean? So that's also sticky and that's actually caused prices to stay even, and in some areas go up, some are seeing some slight soften, but it's a weird market. So for me, I'm paying attention to that supply. I think over the next year here, there's a potential for some softening in that supply. Doesn't necessarily mean prices go down, but ideally, I'm hoping at least, we end up with a little more normalized market. That would be absolutely wonderful. So I'm thinking that we're just gonna have a little bit more of that. You look at transactions and everything, we're more how we were back in the mid 2010s in that range. So a little bit, it's getting to be calmer to a degree, but that's where I'm at, man. Where do I think it's going? It's sticky and you got to watch the supply and demand. And I don't have perfect forecast for that.
0: That makes sense. Switching gears a little bit. So when you are helping people get out or you're helping people buy these houses as they're preparing to get out of the military, you've got a lot of material on what you should consider when you're buying a house, when you're getting out of the service. I think that all of that. So I don't want you to reiterate that here. If you're listening to this, go watch Evan's stuff. That's going to be the place to go give WeVets YouTube channel some love. But when you are working with people, what other things have you seen folks struggle with as they're getting, going through their transition? That's not related to real estate that you, that's like, Uh. Notable
1: to you, definitely. The questions I'm answering often. Number one, we've touched on a few times now. It's that realization of the, the economics of getting out, the in- income realization. Like, hey, is it really what I thought it was or wasn't? Man, I was making seventy while I was in the military. And I took this job for a hundred thousand, but I feel like I'm making less money. You actually are. It's like well, it's, you are when you do the math when you adjust for the tax free stuff, the insurance, and all. That's a big one. That's a big financial thing that I'm dealing with for folks. Otherwise, when it's transitioning, people who are still in and transitioning it out, it's usually still, hey, they're on that excitement of, oh, I'm getting out. I'm excited for what's next, what's new. The folks that I'm working with that are out for six months to a year, sometimes that's where you can tell. Either it's going pretty well, or that's where you can just send some of that, hey, man, I'm missing like the camaraderie, the, the group of people, stuff. So you start sensing some of that. So those times it's oftentimes conversations, and of, yeah, sometimes it is tough. I okay, think it's tough being out now and completely on your own and having those discussions. So I'd say those are really the two, two major things. I'm a pretty big guy on, on finances. So it's going over the realization of how much what can get you. But sometimes I, we also recommend, like I always recognize you shouldn't just do it by money. Like if you're making more outside, that doesn't mean this doesn't necessarily mean it's a good thing. Like for us, it was also getting out because we knew for us we wanted to raise our kids next to our family, all that kind of stuff. I would trade making less money to have that experience, right? Um, yeah, I'd say those are the two two major things that definitely do with folks, finances. And then later on, once they're out, it's sometimes which I just had a lot of those talks about, hey, struggling of direction, all that kind of stuff what we can find. So we vet probably try to give you some of that. Like, Hey, you're working with a company that has this background for military. That's what we support. We love and we give, and we back as much for our clients who are doing their businesses and stuff as well. Like we integrate company that just makes cookies, past client. We use their cookies that we ship to everybody. Cutting board, same thing from vet. Just love, love doing that stuff.
0: That's awesome. Going a little bit more into that camaraderie piece. What have how have you found success in fostering community and what do you think veterans can do in order to foster community
1: outside of the military once they get out? Good question. For me, for coming back, when, make it, when I was in Ohio and got out at wright Pat, it was perfectly fine. I mean, I have my connections. Best One of my best friends, he was also out. We were loving it, having a good time. A few of my other close friends, all there. And then just the clients, right? I was selling 60 to 80 properties a year, and it was almost all military in Dayton. And so I just had a lot of those folks. But moving back here to Kansas, I mean, that was almost entirely gone. So one of the things I had, especially because a lot of guys get out and they move back home, and they want to get away. You want to get away from that military time, right? And I understand that. But then all of a sudden it starts seeping in like, wait, I'm missing something. So that's where I would recommend, hey, from the military camaraderie piece, embrace all the branches. <laughs> like, you got to embrace them. I joke and I'm like, I'm running around with a bunch of West Point guys now. It was like, But we don't have a whole lot of, we don't have a whole lot of Esophage guys around here, right? And Air Force in general. Yeah, we got our base now that we're more involved in, which has been really good for us. But that was really big, embracing that just some of the other guys, some of the army vets and the Navy vet that I know here, and really just getting along with that and understanding that shared level, Oh, we just had a blast. And I thank those guys so much for giving me a good basis and foundation for moving back here. For non-military though, that was for me definitely a shift because folks don't always quite think the same. It's one of the reason why we have plowed so much back into we've WeVet Home Loans, because I'm like, man, I love doing stuff here locally, developing and selling and working real estate stuff here. But just working with, working with military guys like you and me, we all instantly connect. Right, we connected right away. Like, dang, I missed that. Because when you're talking with your other guys from the military, you can have that connection. There's a there's an 90 percent chance we gonna click. Civilian outside, it's sometimes like 20%, 30 percent. You just don't quite know. I don't know what it is. So, but you gotta join those groups to push and do that. And there's a few groups here that were really good. Rotary for me was actually wonderful recently. We have a good incubator hub deal here. That's wonderful, called Groover Labs, got very involved with them and worked for a lot of those folks as an agent and financial stuff and whatnot, and got to know, just get to know folks there. Know that there are some of those civic groups that you can go be a part of. They can give you some of that. It's gonna be different. But they can give you some of that. Get involved with them as best you can and be open to doing it. That was important. I was too isolated for six months when we moved back. Man, the families just the, the ripping away from Ohio and the family stuff, it was tough. I wish I would have started sooner on some of those local groups getting involved.
0: Yeah, and I think that the any time you can give yourself an opportunity to give back in some way, I know like you in your business like you are serving that veteran or that military community. So you get some of that in your business, but doing it in other ways, I think is so important for the mindset of someone who was in the military because we're so service oriented, excuse me, that it's just very important for us to have that outlet of like, like pouring our cup out and not just getting poured into, I think is very important, but also something that veterans struggle to do sometimes because we're just like, ah, I got out of the military, time to chill or whatever, and mm-hmm. it's we tend to self isolate if we're not careful, and I think that's pretty scary if you're not careful. Is that what you,
1: you see the most too? Talking with so many different guys who're transitioning, self isolating. Oh yeah, yeah, because. Recovery. Well, because I
0: mean, going back to what you just said was uh, like, when you go when you're used to clicking with people and your hit rates like 90% and then you get out and you're not if you're not around a military base, you're not hanging out with other veterans, like that hit rate, like you said, it goes down to like 20 30%. And yeah. unless you're a just aggressively social person like I am, you'll try and talk to a couple people and you'll be like, whoa, (laughs) like this isn't, that's not cool. (laughs) Like, I don't like talking to you at all. And it, and then it also, I think there's a piece where it's like, you just, there's just not that shared connection, but then also there's no shared experience. And it's like, I don't, we're so used to, I think the classic example is like, if you're around a bunch of air force pilots they'll tell you that they're pilots without you ever having to ask because that's all they talk about in a group setting is like planes. And so I think that we in the military, we're the same way just about the military. And so we don't have that shared experience to like talk to some regular person about it. And so then you have no way to connect. And I think that learning to talk about yourself and learning how to interact with non-military people in a way that is like, I don't say normal because we're all normal, but that's not military centric is really difficult. So people just choose not to. And then they just self-isolate because they don't want to try and break through that communications barrier almost.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I think I you're know. spot on with that. Yeah. You see, yes. I struggle now you, of course, working for what you're doing. It's almost all outside, right? 100%. All yep. Outside
0: the uh i have a couple of friends that are in the company that are veterans but and so like i and i cherish those friendships because i need to go talk to them to like level set myself to understand what's actually going on but that yeah it, it's definitely been it, it's a challenge to learn how to just be billy minus the military for sure so i can definitely go, see the struggle yeah.
1: going back to who am i no yeah. right Exactly. So I think that is so. You bring up a great point there, though, where it's recognizing—I'd say for whatever it is from this discussion to take—it's really recognize that it can hit you later
0: mm-hmm. than
1: you think. And we mm-hmm. think, hey, it's getting out—that's where all the hard time is. It can also hit you later. Mother number two—it's so important what we've had from the military, but also does it fully define you or not? Who are you? Who are you really? And so it's making sure that with or without the military, how can I make sure I get to a point? where me Billy I'm comfortable as yep. I am in the military out of the military things are going well not well what are really the core features and that's something that I think can be a hard one for us to always to to come to grips with but trying to make sure you're happy and I should say happy more like fulfilled and mm-hmm. comfortable with where you are wherever you're at I agree with
0: that so last question that i want to last question i want to pose to you before we cut out is what is the final piece of advice that you want to leave the listeners with mm. Mm. and you can think about this for as long as you want i literally can cut all of the the downtime <laughs> 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 i would the whole thing yeah 20 minutes we can take you can take 20 minutes to think about it and i'll make it look like 20 seconds
1: No, it's pretty good. Like, dang, that guy thought about it. Yeah.
0: He had that on deck.
1: (laughs) Only the one thing that if we could to leave someone with, that's like, especially for transitioning out. Ah, man, I know mine, especially for this type of talk. Then the real thing is for, if you're getting out the, the one thing I should leave away with is how delicate your mind can really be. And while we're in maybe, especially in the military, you get it fortified pretty darn well you have a routine, you have a lot of consistency. But know that that mind can be really delicate, especially if you're praised throughout all that time. I was good, I got the firewall fives, I got the top OPRs, EPRs, all that good stuff, consistently. Be ready, your mind's extremely delicate. Anyone treat it that way. I wish I could go back and tell myself that and stress it. Hey, your mind, it's running right now. Those wagon wheels have been really good and your ruts are deep but be ready for when it gets to be a struggle and you got to ask yourself, Hey, what is it that really makes me me? And so if no, your mind's extremely delicate. Take care of it. That's the one biggest piece of advice I'd give. I think that's that, great.
0: I think it's know. great advice. I'm going to actually one more question that I want to ask you based off what you just said. Do you think if I could send you back in a time machine? Yeah. To meet, to see the Evan of yesteryear, do you think, what do you think you could have told yourself to actually believe what you're saying right now?
1: <laughs> what could I have told myself to could believe? You actu- do you think you could have actually oh, convinced yourself? Those twins ones. Could I have convinced myself? <laughs> Holy cow, dude, that's a good question. What? Uh-huh. <laughs> How would I convince younger me to do it other than like smacking myself or something like For sure. that? Like, dude, trust me. This is it. huh. Oh. Um, Man. Oh, God. You could also say you don't think you could because
0: I that's don't know awesome. if I could have,
1: honestly. The real question in that is, is that the whole point of it? Like, yeah. would you know, like a part of the journey is that you're figuring that out Would I get it mm-hmm. Would I just go, Oh yeah, man. And that's what I could have said. If you had told me that when I was young, I'd be like, okay, yeah, of course I know it's good, but I might say the question that I, never quite ask myself. I think the question could potentially be the question for that would probably be, Evan, do you think I would ask myself, do you think things mm-hmm. are going really well right now? Because of circumstances that you have control over or don't have control over? Do you think you're doing mm-hmm. really well? Because that's you as a person? Or because that's how mm-hmm. things have been going for you? If things are bad, do mm-hmm. you think you will have the same outlook? That's why I wish mm-hmm. I could ask myself that. And that's what hit me relatively hard when I started getting into the hard slumps, the losses, everything mm-hmm. in 20, early 2020. That's when it really was just looking at myself going, whoa, am I me mm-hmm. because things go well? Or am I me because I know what I'm doing and I can control my life? That's That would have mm-hmm. helped. Be good. Couple- Probably a coin flip if I would have listened to myself, but <laughs> <laughs> that's a good I question, t- though. I that could help.
0: That's powerful, <laughs> man. I love that. I love that. It's a really good. That's a really good question to end on. I think that everyone can take that and ponder, that. ponder that's
1: over like, that quite a bit. That's like Marty McFly and the <laughs> Go Back to the Future, or whatever, and the, all those shows. Where you got <laughs> are like, how do I know it's you? How do I know the, the, the part? Dude, that was a killer question that I'm going to be thinking <laughs> more on. Thank how you. would I? How yeah, would you can yourself. How would you? That's Because like, if you, you ever came doing something stupid when you were young, yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Because if we ever came up with the answer for that question, like, I think you cracked the code. Like, <laughs> oh, I can just make somebody believe me immediately. Like, if you <laughs> literally wow. have the silver bullet where you can just be like, Pachow! and they're like, "Oh my god, I'm a changed human." Like, that's the like. <laughs> That's the greatest piece of psychological information ever. Sure. Like quit real wow. estate, <laughs> sell that. <laughs> like that's the yeah, exactly but exactly
1: right. <laughs> Hey, I'm, I love young me. <laughs> actually one of the things I do ask myself when when you're hard on yourself now, I look back at young me and I I know that young me would actually be really pleased and proud with where I'm at. And then it hits me of why can I be proud of where I'm at now though? I know younger me, I mean, I write goal and I look back at some of those and I'm like, I've blown past those when I was young. Like I thought it was a high bar to make X or get this and build this and have that. And I'm like, now I'm like, holy crap. Like we exceeded that well in advance. Why am I still, why am I still thinking more? And it's just because I think that's like a human nature. That's what we have. So I think it's an important one. One of the great things I say always at the end for its sake, like just trying to If getting at, for getting out, going back to the delicate part of the mind is really that, like, I've come to really believe, like, for a man, you are what you think about. And man, or woman, I should say, but as people, when regards to getting out, you are what you constantly think about. So be careful what you're thinking about. That goes back to that delicate mind piece. And so if you're starting to think negatively, it's what you start to become. If you start to tell yourself that you can never get in shape if you start to tell yourself you can't quite figure it out financially or for family or your kids, then it starts to happen. The, I just think the most powerful thing really is what's right up here in our control over our minds and how we handle that. Something that I just never fully appreciated until the last couple of years.
0: That's awesome, man. So much great advice right at the end. I really love it. Um, Evan, thanks off. so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to be, uh, tell your story, be vulnerable, and just give so much amazing advice to everyone out there that's listening.
1: And thank you, Billy. Thanks for pulling it out of me and so many folks that you've had on the show. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah. And yeah, pull the shields down and show the scars. We got to have.
0: I'm happy. I'm happy that I have amazing guests that are willing to come on and tell their stories for sure. It wouldn't, it would be pretty boring. It'd be a boring show if people weren't willing to come on and talk about like the wild shit that's happened in their life. So I really hey. am grateful for you and everyone else who's
1: chosen to do that. So so here's <laughs> on. I'm, I'm pretty calm. I'm a pretty calm one. That's why I know like, I've been very fortunate, I'm very fortunate. Yeah. But um, we all have those in some way, shape or form. That's for sure.
0: Ain't that the truth. Ain't that the truth? Well, thank you again. If anyone out there is interested in learning more about Evan and what he's doing, again, check out the WeVet YouTube channel. Check out their website. Both of those are linked down in the description along with Evan's LinkedIn profile. So head down there, show him some love. Check out, his, check out the stuff that he's got. Um, but that is the end of the episode. Thank you all so much for making it to the end. You all are the reason why we do this. And if you like what we're doing, liking, sharing with the people, you know, who need to hear this subscribing if you want, but that's it. Can't wait to see y'all on the next episode and we will catch you on the next episode of the post-military podcast. Peace.